to seek wise counsel, meaning who's your board of directors? Who are your people that you go to that when you don't have the faith in yourself, they have enough faith for you. They believe in you and remind you of who you are, whose you are. They will let you borrow their faith. And for me, that was my husband and my mom. And my husband was like, why are you trying to run to something that God has said no to? You got to take the leap. I prayed about it. God showed me exactly what it was. It was health coaching. So I took that leap and I was like, yes, okay. Welcome to the Fierce Mothers podcast, where we help black and brown women find guidance and inspiration every week. We are so excited to have you listen in. I'm your host, Ugochi Onyewu. Today, I am speaking with the amazing Natasha Hemingway. Natasha is a corporate startups and entrepreneurial based sales consultant, coach and speaker and the creator of Heart Not Hustle, a sales coaching firm founded with an aim to help corporations, startups, and entrepreneurs find and focus on the deeper meaning behind their business motivation and sales message. Natasha helps corporations, startups, and entrepreneurs master their authentic sales process and sales strategy, achieve meaningful success, and maximize their sales wins by bringing the heart, not the hustle. Natasha spent over 16 years as a successful sales professional with a Fortune 500 company and held a corporate role as a senior territory sales manager prior to the personal tragedy that led her on a life-altering path to redefine her own success and joy. After leaving the corporate world, she found a heart for corporations and entrepreneurs looking to garner their gifts and passions to create and scale their own businesses. Her collegiate background, unique career experience and motivating empathy all play into the success of Heart Not Hustle. Clients and partners of Natasha's experience her warm and toughness through her research-based methods and one-on-one tactics that help them grow as sales teams, entrepreneurs, organizers, and leaders. Today, she continues speaking to and consulting, coaching corporations and entrepreneurs by helping them focus on the heart of their business and not just the hustle. Hey, Natasha, thank you so much for joining. It's so great to see you. How are you? I am great. I'm really excited to be here and have a conversation with you. Let's chat. Yes, I'm so excited to dive in and get your perspective. So let's kick it off as I always do is just tell the audience about you. What were, Where were you born? What was life like growing up? Just tell us a little bit before we dive in. Love to hear more about you. Yeah. So I was actually born in Maryland, Silver Springs to be exact. My dad actually passed away when I was two months old in a car wreck. 
So, which is part of the story of why I was born in Maryland, but I wasn't raised there. Um, so my mom is an only child, just to give a little background on that. She's an only child. Um, my mom actually lost both of her parents, her like freshman and sophomore year of college. So because my mom didn't have any family, really, right? And my mom's an only child. My mom wanted us to be, me to be raised around family. So we moved back or we moved, excuse me, to South Carolina mm-hmm. so that I could be raised around my dad's family because my dad has siblings, right? And so that growing up there, Anderson, South Carolina, um, it is in the South. It's definitely obviously a different pace than Maryland, right? My mom's a Northerner, uh, born in Connecticut, but spent time in Anderson, South Carolina because she has some roots there too, because her grandmother lived there. Her family's from there, but she wasn't like raised there, right? Mm-hmm. So growing up back home, small town, uh, my mom has done a lot of big things in town by being an African-American nurse practitioner back then. It was like literally long ago. She was like one of only truly started the one in eight breast cancer foundation back then. Um, cause my mom got breast cancer when I was in high school. Um, so just being in a small hometown where it's always been, my mom has always been involved in things, whether it's her sorority or serving on boards or things that she's volunteered. So I have always been a part of like serving and leading and seeing my mom do that by being an only child, right? Mm-hmm. It's always around my mom mm-hmm. and, um, but being raised by family as well. And that kind of, like thought process of it takes a community, right? I, I, it takes a village. That's me, right? Being raised by a village. It's the people that have been around me, whether it was being a competitive gymnast for nine years, like that's being raised by a village, right? Having that coach and, you know, or family or friends, um, because it was just me and my mom. So I always say that it is, if it were not for my mom, I would not be who I am. A lot of who I am is because of my mom and also because of the village that surrounded me by raising me. She sounds like a rock star. And I know we've had this conversation before, and I know that it informs your your background and your experiences have informed a lot of even your methodologies around fear to faith, the fear to faith cycle, which we'll talk about. But I do want to actually I'd love for you to talk to us about how your background and your story has helped with the fear to faith cycle. And then we can kind of segue into how you got into sales, because I'm really interested to hear about that. A little bit of my background and how I got to from fear to faith. <laughs> that's that's a, a I'm gonna have to slingshot you for. <laughs> so it, it really starts from understanding my story of how I got here. Right, mm-hmm. that is literally how the fear to faith cycle came about. It was really in my moment of surrender where I was truthfully fearful and in the uncertain, like that wilderness of not knowing what's ahead. What am I good at? How do, where do I go next, God? Like it was in that, like in the depths, in the darkness that God gave me that, um, that next step in that full cycle. And that really started from, I, um, graduated from college with a biology degree, thought I wanted to go to med school. And then I was like, absolutely not. No, I don't want any more loans. (laughs) I need to go make some money. Um, and so I knew that I could not work in a biology lab to be in there with a bunch of, um, uh, let's say test tubes and Bunsen burners and no windows, I would drive them crazy because I'm very much a people person. Um, my personality, I'm a servant leader. 
Um, I'm an achiever. I'm a, what I call a recovering perfectionist. If anybody can relate, I'm always in recovery. Um, and right. Yes. You and I, we connect on that on many levels. But with that said, I came out and from there, I was like, what can marry my passion for people and serving people, but also this degree that I paid a lot of money for, um, and that I love, but just not in the traditional way. And that's when it came back then it was pharmaceutical sales. Right. And it was like the hot career to be in. Like, I I mean, I came out of school and into that job, making more money than most parents. Mm. And at the time it was a very competitive field because it usually honestly was only the company that I went with was one of the largest companies in the industry back then. And they used to only hire white male pharmacists. And if you go to my Instagram after this, you would see that I am not white and I am not a male. I am a black female. And so that just breaking through that industry was a big deal for me. And I carried that as an honor, right, is to be in that um, opportunity to never take it for granted, to absolutely maximize the opportunity. So I got promoted there. Then I was there for eight years. Then I moved on to medical device sales, which is way more pressure. Um, it can be high turnover, a lot of money though. Um, but I got into that role finally, um, spent eight years there, the number one medical device company in the world, um, ended up getting promoted. But through that process to give you guys the real kind of deep story of how I got here in the fear to face cycle. I think it's important. I say that it takes time to tell the story, but I think it's important for me to do so mm-hmm. because I never, ever want anyone to listen to me and then go to any of my social platforms and think that like, I just woke up like this as right. Drake's right in the song. Like, no, I didn't. This has been a work of the Lord. This has been a lot of time and, and, and stress and tears and faith over faith over faith to get here. And I just want to be, I believe in being very transparent um, so that people can truly see the journey. Cause I think we get caught up looking at people's pictures and their social media and following and all this stuff. And we think, Oh my gosh, I could never. And it's like, no, I just want to be real. I'm just like you. Um, It's taking a while for me to get here and I still have a ways to go right with goals. So with that said, when I was in that job um, with that medical device company, I was up for the running for a position for senior territory sales manager. And I'm going to paint you the picture. Number one, at the time when I was going for this, I would have been the only African-American senior territory sales manager across the country, across the division. Right. Okay. So this industry, not very diverse. And it's a position that's very hard to get because you have to have eight quarters So two years worth of being at 100% to your quota or greater. If you drop below it, the clock starts over. And then you have to have obviously like the, um, not just performance, but the, like the personal development, the skill set, the competencies, um, leadership competencies, qualities that have to be checked off also. And then it has to be then really finally checked off by regional directors, things like that. So I was in the running for this position, gotten pregnant and we ended up losing our full-term son. That completely changed everything about my life, how I saw my life, my legacy, my purpose for even wanting to stay on this earth, if that makes sense. Like there were times that honestly, I, after that was like, I I don't want to be on this earth, but I knew that was not my real inner voice. So I was like, A, get grievance counseling ASAP, did that. 
And FYI, if you lose a full-term child, you do not get maternity leave. Being that I had a full-term son and I did not get maternity leave, that meant I had to take PTO and then quickly go back to work. So maybe in a, like a week's week and a half turnaround time. Mm. And so I'm going back into this highly stressful job while I was out or by the time I returned, we ended up dipping behind below that um, being at 100% a quarter. And so that meant the clock started over. So the clock starts over. I finally get the promotion. Also in the process, I got pregnant quickly again. And so that meant, you know, going through all those emotions, end up getting the promotion. So clearly getting that finally meant way more to me than probably the average person because of the amount of pain and time and fortitude and resilience that it took to get to that. But then here's the caveat. Uh, probably, I would say maybe four to six months later, I end up getting pushed out of my job. So I've never had an HR violation, never been written up. I get pushed out of my job and I was devastated, you guys, to say the least, like devastated. It felt like a death again, um, but just in a different way. And especially because I've been in this industry for 16 years, it's all I've ever done. And it was, however, very apparent that it was over because I remember, which I'll take you back, when I got pregnant again, me and my husband went to this island that we go to every time we were on our way back from the airport, obviously just trying to go through the process of like still grieving and taking a break and through vacation. And I remember being in the airport and I told my husband, I was like, what God spoke to my spirit was, this is the way I translated back to him. I know I'm made for more. I know I'm called for greater, but I don't know what it is. And this season is ending. Let me pause you right there. Let me pause you right there because there's so much that you've unpacked that we could take hours just talking about. Going back to the fact that you only got a week and a half of PTO after losing a full-time child is in itself crazy. And then you, you, you go back to work. Of course, you dip below your quota. You get pregnant again. I just want to make sure that the audience really understands what you were going through in quick succession, right? Obviously you said you went through grief counseling, but you're having to deal with all this Yes, up until this point. So I wanted to pause you there just to take us back a little bit so we can really absorb and then bring you back forward. So keep going, but I wanted to make sure I called that out because that's huge. That is huge. It is a lot. I mean, honestly, it almost took me out. That's why I literally was like, I have to be in grief counseling um, because I am not myself, but I'm having to function. And then being in sales and corporate sales like that, where it's a lot of pressure, it's just no downtime and you have to be on all the time. Right. And it was also to that point, Ugochi is like once because I got pregnant quickly, I was still grieving, very much so grieving because it was not far after. But I also had to make the mental decision to say, although I may be grieving, I am now tasked with the responsibility to give this child the best possible chance. And so that means I have to mentally be 1000% like focused and, and choose every day. Like I had scripture everywhere, like sticky notes, bathroom mirror, nightstand, the door of the nursery that I would keep closed, like refrigerator everywhere to remind me, right, of the truth and God's goodness and his grace and his mercy and and what faith really looks like, you know, and what waiting looks like, because waiting is a verb and there's a way to wait. And I had to learn what waiting looked like 
And I also, it was my first encounter of really, really understanding because I'm hardheaded, but what surrendering looked like. Yes. Like surrender has been my word, is my word. Every year asked like, what's your word? Surrender. What's your word? Uh, surrender. I might add a second, but my word is always surrender because that's difficult for my personality who is very much a planner. I'm very type A. I like to know from A to Z. If I can't see it, it's very hard. Like that's a lot. And so going back and going after that promotion, that's why I say it all led me to here because I think a lot of people say, gosh, you know, you're so resilient or how do you do this? And then and I'm like, it is my faith. Mm-hmm. It is the things that I've had to walk through. And even the battles I've seen my mom go through of, you know, being a widowed wife and having a two month old child and being having no parents and having no siblings and moving us back. And, you know, me being born and then my mom going to nurse practitioner school at that time to further her nursing degree she got in undergrad. And then my grandparents having to take care of me during the week. And my mom would have to come back and forth on the weekends to take care of me and then go back to school. Like, I don't know any different than that. Like having that mental fortitude and the grit and the resilience and the, just the faith Mm. truly like my mom's a testimony of faith and her getting breast cancer. Her mom died for breast cancer. Like I just tell y'all all that to say that I I never want anyone to think that I'm this great creator. Like I would be a fraud if I did not speak of my faith. And like, it almost brings me to tears every time I talk about it because my faith has been what has sustained me. And I think the outside world, a lot of times looks at us and assumes, or we can look at other people and think you know, they're so put together and they have it all figured out. And it's like, no, like this has been a journey and it's been a struggle. And it's been my faith that has sustained me. It's been my faith that my mom has had to, you know, push through things and, you know, getting herself through college after losing both her parents or freshman and sophomore year of college. And so, you know, like I said, that just, you know, bring y'all back up is like losing my, my being pushed out of that job was, really a game changer for me because it was, it was painful because I'm very much a loyalist too. Mm -hmm. And when I commit to something, I am all in and I give people my best. Yes. And I um, am of integrity and my work ethic is high. And, and so to have dedicated so much time to that, to have that taken away, it felt like a death. Truly. It also felt like my my flesh, let me be real. My flesh felt like my identity had been stripped from me, but I had to also be reminded that my identity and my worth is not in my job, my title, how much I make, you know, the accomplishments, like it was a stripping season, truly. And so what I knew though, is the thing that God told me when we were on that vacation, that it was happening now. Right. Right. It was, it was like, now's the time. So take us back to that point, because that was where I interrupted you. So take us oh. back to that point, to back to where you said you felt like you had this nudge in your spirit that you were made for more, but you didn't know what that was. So take us yeah. back to there and then, yeah, keep going. I'd yeah. love to hear about that. Yeah. So while in the airport, my husband, you know, men, you know, they want to support us. And my husband tried to like reverse engineer me into like what that was. Right. And I'm like, Literally, when he like we broke it down, I was like, I don't know. I just love people mm-hmm. and helping people. And he was like, that ain't a business, boo. So um, 
you go on ahead and go back to that medical device job and you make that good money and uh, you keep trudging towards that territory sales manager. You know what I mean? Like, which I mean, I wasn't disagreeing with that. I'm like, shoot, I like security too. You're right. I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to sit here. Mm -hmm. But in that time, what I did Ugochi was even though I was working that medical device sales job and I was driving towards that promotion, I found this group. And it was full of female entrepreneurs and I would go. And the only reason I was able to go is because it was on Fridays during lunch when they had their meetings. I would show up my scrubs, my pager, like my work pager, all that stuff. I would show up and just be in the midst. Mm -hmm. I was the only one that had like a job. And this is a membership you had to pay to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And I was like, at least if I put myself in this place, it's me taking a step to say, okay, God, I acknowledge where you're taking me. I don't know what that is. But at least I'm being amongst these women and hearing things and learning what it looks like. Right. I didn't know where I was going. I just put myself there. And God, it wasn't me. God actually lined that up. And that's a whole other story. But so I was there pushing towards that. Then I get the promotion. Then six months later, I get pushed out of my job. And I knew at that moment that that door was closed. Right. To the point, y'all, I had not ever even up like it had been eight years since I updated my resume. I did not have a LinkedIn profile. Like I had been there so long. I'm like, where am I going? Right. Like I've been there so long that I didn't even have an updated resume or anything. And <laughs> it, it was funny, but kind of not funny because but what I knew was God was speaking is like in the way that God speaks to me, like just giving me signs. And one of them was every time I would try to go update my resume, like I would be in full tears, like mm-hmm. sick to my stomach. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was not supposed to go there. And this is where I tell my clients and I tell friends, people, all that. Be sure to seek wise counsel, meaning who's your board of directors? Who are your people that you go to that when you don't have the faith in, faith in yourself, They have enough faith for you. They believe in you and remind you of who you are, whose you are. They will let you borrow their faith. And for me, that was my husband and my mom. And my husband was like, why are you trying to run to something that God has said no to? And he was like, you got to take the leap. And I prayed about it. God showed me exactly what it was. Um, I'm a former gymnast. And it was health coaching. So I took that leap and I'd already been talking to a friend about it. And I had said, oh, I'm just going to do this on the side. It'll be fun. And God gave me confirmation about that. And I was like, yes, okay. And so I prayed about, okay, am I supposed to go full time with this health coaching thing, Lord, or not? Like, show me what that is. And he gave me confirmation three ways in 24 hours. And it was like undeniable. We talked to our financial advisor. We said we would give it a year. Ugochi, I got to the end of the eight months. And when I tell you, y'all, I'm not joking. I have been in sales for 16 years at that point. I was like, I know about how to build a 30, 60, 90 day plan. I know how to build a sales process, a sales strategy. I know how to sell ketchup to a girl in a white t-shirt, ice to an Eskimo, let's go, okay? Y'all, when I tell you nothing was budging with that business, it was so evident that it was not happening. Mm -hmm. Like it was not moving forward. And y'all, I was ticked because I had said to God, okay, if you tell me to take this leap, I have never been an entrepreneur. This is not my idea. You clearly have a plan for me, but you better show up. If you're telling me to do this, I'm gonna do it. 
but you better show up. You better not let my family go down. You better not let us financially suffer. And y'all, this is just how I am. I talk to God like real talk, just like I would tell a friend. Okay. So when I got to that eight months, I was hot and I was distraught. Like now what? You told me to come here and this didn't work out. Like I was all in my feelings, like a two-year-old, two to three-year-old toddler. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying spiritually immature. Mm -hmm. And you know, but what I know now is, is that that was a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. God took me there for a reason because it was something for me to learn before I went to the next thing that he brought me to, which was speaking and then coaching. Mm -hmm. And one, a couple of things I learned from that stepping stone, you guys, and it was very apparent is that one, I cannot teach people work ethic. And number two, I cannot want something for someone more than they want it for themselves. Because I was talking about health coaching, like Weight loss. I'm like, I'm a former competitive gymnast. Like that comes easy for me. Like you lock your mind in, you make a decision, you hold yourself accountable and like, let's go. You figure out what tool you're going to use. You apply it. I've got the tool. You said you want it. This is easy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. And so those were tools that I needed to step into the business that I have right now. Mm -hmm. Just coaching, consulting, speaking. Okay. I needed that before I got to this level. Part of it also was the journey. So then when I was at that eight month y'all and I was distraught and, and all the things I was, that's where I met my second surrender season where y'all, I was so just at a loss. Like, I don't even know what I'm good at anymore. Like, okay, he told me to come here and this is the only step he gave me. So now what? And I was devastated. Like, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I tried to go run back to what I had done, which is medical device. Of course. Come on. Of course. Because, hello, I can make a lot of money there. I work for the number one medical device company in the world. I've been, you know, tenured. I've been promoted in both companies. I'm loyal. Like, what? My husband literally was like, ma'am. He was like, why are you trying to run back to what God told you no to again? He was like, stop. And he said, listen, we plan for a year. He said, sit still. Mm. I said, and do what? Yeah, I love that you talked about your husband and I loved it. I think you called it wise counsel. You yep. talked about the two people, your mother and your husband. And yes. I think that's so important because you wanted to run back to what was comfortable. I think we all do, especially oh, because yeah. you were successful and your husband was reminding you yes. of why you left, you know? So I'd love to delve into as you're going through your journey. I know you're going to get there. I'm really yep. excited to hear about your heart, not hustle. Cause I think that's coming out. I think you're getting there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that you, Talk about that because it's so powerful. I love this. Yeah. This is awesome. And to wrap it, because I'm literally at the end of it, is I just sit and surrender for four months. And then God gave me my next step and he gave me my next yes, which was a nine-month speaker coaching program. Mind you, we had already spent a year's worth of savings. Hello. But it was like a five-figure, okay, speaking program, okay? I got accepted. Y'all wasn't even qualified, okay? But God. Got accepted in that, spoke internationally twice, started speaking. And then I was like, God, what else is it? Because these people are coming up to me after I speak and they're asking for help. And I'm like, I don't know how to help them. I'm just like, catch me in the next city. I don't know. See me speak somewhere else. And then that's when God opened that window for coaching. And in that surrender season is where God gave me the fear to face cycle. When I was at a loss, didn't know what to do. I was like, God, please help me. 
just give me a light, give me a glimpse. And it was the fear to face cycle. Mm -hmm. And that is where that was birthed out of. And now I keynote on it. And it literally became my first keynote, which then brought me into coaching, which was coaching women on how to go from career to calling, helping them basically do the biz dev side. And then people started asking me because they knew my background. Well, can you help me teach me how to sell? And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't do that anymore. That door has been shut and slammed. I'm not going there anymore. I'll refer you to somebody else, like a business coach. And then people were like, okay, but they don't teach on sales. Mm -hmm. And then again, God sent it through a friend and was like, why are you holding women back from the thing that you've been gifted at, that you know how to do, um, and that he's calling you to? And I was like, OMG. And then I had to like think about it. Of course, I cried because I was like, I don't want to go back there (laughs) because that was stripped. But then I started to remember the first business coach I had was like, you really need to teach something on sales, especially with women. Women struggle with sales. They don't like it. This is an opportunity. Then my branding and marketing manager, who Ugochi, you now work with, who helped me with my brand from inception was like, you really need to develop something for sales. You have 16 years. And I was like, no, 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 no. God did not call me there. And so I think God knew that I needed to heal from that hurt because I was like, I've been told, no, you're not good enough to be here anymore or whatever the way I interpret it. Like that door is closed. That's a no for you. And so that was, that hurt. Remember I told y'all I felt like a death. So I remember saying yes to that. I mean, I boohooed because it was like this recall of like, OMG, like this is God saying now. Mm-hmm. And that meant, and part of my crying, you guys, if I can be fully transparent, was that meant starting basically my entire business over. So me and my brand new marketing manager, who I love dearly, and I'm so grateful for her, we had to create whole new message, mm-hmm. products, services, website, copy, offerings, like everything had to start over. And I was like, I just have started gaining traction with this. Mm-hmm. And it's taking me this long. And it was like, but y'all, again, obedience is greater than sacrifice. Absolutely. Period. And I always say this, it's not enough to surrender. You have to be willing to obey. Because on the other side of obedience is where your fruit sits. And that obedience is what got me here. And when I said yes to it, you guys, it was like the floodgates open, like business opportunities, speaking opportunities, podcast opportunities, clients. And it was like all of that led to this, which then led to when I had the conversation, the first conversation I had with my branding marketing manager, she was like, okay. And she's a woman of faith. She was like, okay, Mm -hmm. God has brought you here. We've been saying it all along. It's time. And she said, what does that sound like to you? And I said, I really want to equip and coach entrepreneurs, businesses, companies, whoever. I don't even know how niche we're going to go down, but I want to teach them how to sell from a place of heart, not hustle. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh my God, that's it. And literally we trademarked it the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. And then there's a sales course now from it. It was a mastermind. Now it's an evergreen sales course. Um, But it truly is a, it's not just a cute saying or a slogan, but it's really how I teach and coach and consult my clients on how to step into sales and how to build their true um, sales voice, their messaging, the process, the strategy, because too many times people try to carbon copy 
um, somebody else's sales process and strategy. I'm like, no, that's you. that comes from you. Mm-hmm. And you have to know how to do it from a place of heart, not hustle, because it's not about the product or the money or no, it's do you believe in it enough to show up for it and sell it mm-hmm. from a place of heart, not hustle that attracts the people that need you, that they will say yes to it because they believe in you yeah. and you believe in it, yes. which is the thing you're selling. I love and it. I love it. I love it. I love hearing the story, Natasha, even though I've heard it before. It's so nice to hear it again, because even as even though you're talking to the audience, you're talking to me as well. You know, this is so powerful about how everybody has their own unique gift and calling and you're just helping them bring it out. And what I love, actually, is even though you talked about the fear, not the fear to faith cycle. And now we're talking about heart, not hustle. It's all it's all part of one thing. It's not separate. You can incorporate the fear of faith into the heart, not hustle, right? Which is what I love. So what I would love to talk about is taking that to the next step right now. You have an offering that I'd love you to talk to the audience about. Tell us what that is. Talk to us, Natasha. So this gives you guys through Gochi's unique link, which is down in the show notes, this gives you a discount and it gives you access to Hello Clients, Hello Cash, mm-hmm. which is a sales course that you can do on your own. It's self-paced, but it's going to really teach you the foundational pieces of building out a sales process, but also the mindset that is necessary to go with selling, right? Because a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions around sales, around asking for money and pricing. They way underprice themselves. So this course is going to walk you through step-by-step in short videos. There's workbooks and all of that. Um, Because i always say it's not enough to be passionate. You also have to be profitable. And we are deserving of that, especially as women. We put our hands, minds, hearts to all these things. And especially Ugochi, you talking about fierce mothers and what your podcast is about and your book and what you do and your workshops and speaking. It's like you're not speaking to women that don't that aren't really out here with a purpose. Right. And it doesn't mean your purpose is always around a business. But for those of you who identify as fierce mothers, right? And fierce women, and you have a business or a strategy, you have to know how to sell it. Um, and that I that's why it's like only makes sense to offer that to your community. Um, Cause all too often we way undervalue our worth and the thing that is so special and unique to us, we think that it's not. And so I, I really want to win and I, I want to see that. make good money. I love that. I love it. I love it. And I love how your passion just comes through, you know, because you were born to do this. And I love what you said about the fact that we as women don't always like to sell, you know, because we we may have a passion, but we think the other thing you called out that I love is that you you're like, or I'm paraphrasing, well, anyone pay for this? This is just whatever, because it's passionate to us, but we we don't believe that it's valuable to other people. So I love that you called that out. Talk yeah. to us about, as we start to wrap wrap this up, talk to us about your one sales tip that you would give the audience, your best sales tip. What would that be? Gosh. Oof. <laughs> My best sales tip that I would give to your audience um, is that sales is not about pricing. It's mm. not about what you say or how you say it. It's about, do you literally have the heart and believe in what you're selling And the solution or the problem that it solves that's going to help someone else. Mm -hmm. It's like, can you get that belief in your head so that you get out of your own way 
right? Because selling truly is about serving the person that needs you and your product or your service or whatever that is. And it's like a gift is meant to be given, right? And so you have this gifting, your product or your service is a gift, but it cannot be given if you're not talking about it, which is just selling. And so serve. And I think the last thing that just comes behind that, that supports that tip is I say this to my clients, don't keep someone else's destiny trapped in your own mouth. Meaning if you have someone, something right that you sell, get it out of your mouth so that the people that need it can actually have it and access it and actually pay you for it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like in summary (laughs) to support that is, is, is just that. And does that change at all in an economic downturn such as we're in now? Or is the message the same? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Because we saw in COVID, my business skyrocketed in COVID. And I have a lot of friends, the same thing. Everybody was like, oh my God, economic downturn, people losing jobs, all this stuff, right? And people were afraid, right? But it wasn't that people weren't buying. It's just that people were more um, focused and more strategic about where they were spending their money. But guess what? People were still buying. Okay. So the people that were showing up still selling and talking about their business and serving people, then people actually bought from them if they had that need. But if you don't show up, no one else can buy from you. And a lot of people who didn't or their businesses fail or it slumped is because they took on the mindset of OMG scarcity, right? Nobody's going to buy from me. I shouldn't be talking about my business. No, that's not what you do. A business is meant to serve, right? And so a lot of businesses were birthed out of that thought process. I have this. I know how to make masks or I know how to do this or I created this app or I da 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 da. And guess what? They skyrocketed. And so, no, it does not change. That's a whole nother conversation. And I would love to get (laughs) in it, but you don't have time, but absolutely not. I love it. I love it. So basically get out there and sell what you believe in, you know, yeah. get out there and sell. So what's next for Natasha? And before we get to that, I just want to reiterate that I will make available in the show notes how people can access your Hello Clients, Hello Cash, because I believe that it's such a valuable resource and people need to be able to access it. And thank you for that promotion. So audience, yeah. please take advantage of it. And and um, also, I'll also make available how people can contact you if they want to. All that will be in the show notes. So please go to the show notes and, you know, take a look at how you can reach Natasha, how you can contact her, how you can access how you can follow her on social media and access the Hello Clients, Hello Cash. So as we round up, I want to ask you though, Natasha, what's next? What are the greater heights that you still want to attain? I'd love to hear. I love, love, love speaking. It is one of my passions. And partly I think that's because I love being in person. I love being in person with people. And there's this beautiful thing that happens when in person and speaking, when you get to connect with people in that way and unlock something in them. So for me, it's had an amazing, amazing, I would say speaking run last year because there's speaking, I think it runs in like seasons and it was amazing to see my growth, um, the audience's growth, me being invited back to things. And so for me, it's just growing that and growing it to Like I have some big, huge goals of stages that I want to be on. And so me and my team are working towards how do we get that? How do we develop that? Because then 
that just means I get to impact more people. And that that's my goal. Impact, unlock more people um, in a way that they walk away knowing how to sell with heart, not hustle, because I can't do that um, as big with one-on-one coaching, right? Because that's a capacity. There's only so much of me. I don't even take that many one-on-one clients. I'm very particular about who I work with because I'm with them for six months. Like I, there's only so much I can reach. And then hello clients, hello cash. That's there. It's self-paced, but I don't get to connect with the person, right? It's on their own self-paced. So for me speaking, that's a big thing that I'm uber passionate about that allows me to connect with people. And it allows me to really have boots on the ground and ears to the ground of like, really what are people going through and having that interaction and conversation afterwards. So there's some huge stages that I want to get in companies, corporations, organizations, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming for it. Oh, I love it. I love it. And we are here for it. I can't wait to see what's next because I know it's going to be huge. I know just from the time I've worked with you the last few months, I know that you're destined for great things. So as we wrap up, last question for you, is there anything you want to let the audience know as we close that we haven't addressed already? Anything that we haven't, I think if I can say anything, because I've had the opportunity to work with Ugochi as a one-on-one client. And I think the reason I said yes to Ugochi is because of what you're doing. And I would say the model that you have built, my big thing is to audiences, if you're listening, you're here because there's something that's attracted you to Ugochi and the fierce concept. And I think the biggest thing is, is to lean in is what I would encourage people because these are the foundational tools of the fierce right? The fierce algorithm. Those are the foundational tools that are going to help you unlock yourself to get to whatever that thing is. It might not be a business. It might not be about selling anything, but for you to live the best life that you possibly can and honoring truly what your dreams, goals, and desires are, I would say lean into this. And I would also say, bring Ugochi in, hire her, because that's how this stuff happens. You guys, is it's one woman bringing another woman in so that you can uplift another woman or women and women. And that's that ripple effect, right? And we all win from that. And so that would be my advice is wherever you're trying to get, you have to do these foundational pillars. Truly, you have to do them. And if you don't, it's choice, right? But if you're really trying to unlock that for yourself and remember what you want and reestablish that identity, reset goals, reframe, go after them, is lean into what Ugochi is doing um, because it matters. Um, even I've learned it, right? And so that would be my my thing to your audience is whoever's under the sound of your voice, lean in. I love it. I love it. it. Thank you so much, Natasha. Oh, I could talk for hours. This has been amazing. Thank you, Natasha. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. What was your main takeaway from this episode? What did you like? What, in your opinion, are some ways that we could improve? I want to hear from you. You can reach me at ugochi at fiercemothers.com. To learn more about Fierce Mothers, please visit our website at fiercemothers.com and join our mailing list for our weekly newsletter. The newsletter provides powerful tips and inspiration for life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. 
Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Fierce Mothers. Follow me on LinkedIn at Ugochi Onyewu. We are building an engaged community of fierce mothers. So please tell your friends about the show. See you next week. Thank you.